0: Did Don Draper really buy the world a Coke? Did Tony Soprano really die or just order more onion rings? Were those guys really in hell the whole time or was that just the audience? The finales of our favorite shows can make us argue, make us cry, and make us crazy. From Spotify and The Ringer, I'm Andy Greenwald and this is Stick the Landing, a new podcast where we'll be telling the story of modern TV backwards, one fade out at a time. Each episode, a guest and I will choose a celebrated series from history, from the 70s to the streaming era and beyond, and do a deep dive on its very last episode. Was it all a dream? Did it turn into a nightmare? And, most importantly, what can we learn about tomorrow's new shows from the way yesterday's ended? TV is a journey. I hope you'll enjoy this podcast about The destination. Starting January 17th, find Stick the Landing on Wednesdays on the Prestige TV feed, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you've had it with your overpriced wireless plan with its insanely high monthly bill and unexpected overages,
2: in sports staff to,
0: to clear the room. Stand up and walk now.
1: Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at theringer.com. And joining me in the studio, he hears Bangkok is lovely this time of year. It's Andy
0: Greenwald! Chris, we got a lot to talk about today, but I was wondering. Yesterday a lot of the great the great lions yeah. of the sports world stepped down.
1: I gotta say, I there was a I I I don't know that I was um I would say I was emotional since Bill Belichick is a demon. Yeah. I don't really have like much of an opinion about Pete Carroll, I guess. And seems like
0: a cheerful guy. Nick Saban
1: probably killed my interest in college football just by his just utter dominance. Yes. But, you know, it is it is one of those things where you're like, man, getting older.
0: That's what I mean. These Did guys it-
1: are all in their 70s. We're all in our 40s, you know. Sh-
0: should we address the rumors because i feel like when people were <laughs> i'm stepping down yeah i feel like people were like oh something's in the air <laughs> for the te- great to legends to take over
1: the university of alabama's men's football program no no no.
0: i think that people were worried that like much like belichick's championship run that like you know a good thing has come to an end and people were looking to you and being like are you <laughs> stepping down <laughs>
1: i'm, I'm from, always gonna be here yeah
0: i mean it's been here in studio six just podding away it's been a it's been 12 years uh You're it not, has been is this the anniversary uh, something around now. I don't yeah. know. Later January. We're not
1: sticklers. Um, I'm not really a stickler for my anniversary with my wife either. It's a flu. There's a fluid date there. Really? Well, we started dating. Yeah. In the early 2000s, I remember, but we didn't get married until two- 2015. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I, when do you call it?
0: You know, I still remember. I, I was in California for the the winter break, and I remember talking to you on the phone. Yeah. And you were like, I you were like, some news. This is before Twitter, <laughs> but you still spoke that way. <laughs> some personal, <laughs> some personal news, yeah. and I was like, "Wow, that's great!" Yeah, I hope it lasts. <laughs> <laughs> I, genuinely, I didn't doubt.
1: Yeah, you were really supportive. Thank I was you. the one that believed. Andy, today on the show, we're going to do some news at the top. We've got uh, a special announcement from—I wouldn't even say Watch Productions, but I guess it is kind of because it's—it's a—it's mm-hmm. featuring you, and it's—it's it's produced by Kaya McMullen. It's. It's your new podcast venture. Thank
0: you, yes. I, I do want to be clear for legal purposes. Kaya and I have our own venture now.
1: Oh, did you guys start an LLC? Yeah, yes. Yeah, where is it, uh, it, it's where, called, it's called, it located? The, the LLC stands
0: for Lots of Liability. <laughs> um, which did
1: is, you see the laundromat? Do you know, you know where, <laughs> where it needs to be located? Yeah,
0: um, Yeah, we're, we, we're launching something new.
1: I think this is fantastic. So tell people what it is.
0: So um, launching a new little podcast journey. It's called Stick the Landing. And every episode, I'm going to be talking to a friend, colleague from the larger Ringer sphere, mm-hmm. podcast pals. Each episode will be focused on a different series finale yeah. of a uh, beloved or contentious or what have you television show from throughout history, not just, not just recent history. yeah, And do a deep dive on that episode on the context for that episode and Consider how it was received in the moment and then also take the opportunity to be like, well, what do we think of it now? And how, what can we learn about where TV is going from where it's been? Primarily because, as we've talked about many times over the years on this podcast, the whole idea of ending something was never, ever part of the calculus for TV for many, many decades.
1: Yeah, it was like, let's hope we don't have to, right? Like, let's let's see how far we can get without, without worrying about, like, how this is going to wrap exactly. up.
0: Exactly. And that has very much changed, obviously, in the streaming era. But um, so far, it's been fun. We banked a bunch of episodes. We're going to premiere them on January 17th on um, my favorite feed. The Prestige, um, TV, the Prestige TV podcast, TV, yeah. Feed, you know, um, maybe we'll throw one up here. I don't yeah, know. I think
1: that uh, I am not, so currently, I'm not on this show.
0: We're, you know, I'm talking to your people. And what's that been like for you? Lonely? <laughs> frightening? I mean, thank God Kaya has been here with me. That's yeah. been that's been she's been my rock. Um and the only thing that she's really had to do is like sort of calm me down cuz I'm always like let's schedule more. Let's work harder. Let's yeah. do more episodes. And Kaya's like, "Hey, hey.
1: Let's start earlier in the day." Yes, let yeah. me
0: get here on time. <laughs> that's kind of always my thing. Um so I appreciate that. So no, we're still trying to find, you know, Kaya and I when we when we sort of, you know, Go offline and we talk about stuff. We're like, how how can we fit CR into this? Uh-huh. Should we? You know, we're not afraid of asking the hard questions.
1: I think I'll probably be appearing on Stick the Landing. I can't wait to I listen think, to that. I when does that no premiere again? January,
0: January seventeenth. Um Yeah, we got so far. We got a good group of episodes, and One shows. Week? and yeah,
1: that's what they tell me. Um, I just didn't know if you were going to drop the binge like Echo.
0: Oh well, it is similar to Echo in that this is The Ringer's first TV MA. Podcast. (laughs)
1: that's right. (laughs)
0: Um, I also did do a second audio feed in Choctaw of of the show. It's very big of you. Yeah.
1: So today we are going to talk a little bit about Echo. We're going to do some news at the top. We're also going to spin the hype cycle a little bit for two shows that are airing on Sunday night that we're really excited about Mm -hmm. and that we'll be talking about extensively throughout their uh, seasons. That's True Detective Night Country and uh, Monsieur Spade. Yes. How's my French on that one? Pommel. Okay. Uh, Mr. Spade is on AMC, Mm -hmm. and it is about uh, Dashiell Hammett's famous detective, Sam Spade, who is the the sort of hero or anti-hero or protagonist, at least, of The Maltese Falcon, Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the great great detective films of all time, one of the great detective novels. And uh, it's from Scott Frank, who did The Queen's Gambit, obviously, Mm -hmm. but is one of the great screenwriters of the last 30, 40 years. And Scott Frank directed all the episodes. He did this show with Tom Fontana, who, who did Oz, did Homicide Life on the Street, is one of like the sort of bedrock television mm-hmm. creators over the last couple decades. And they came up with this incredible idea of what happens next to Sam Spade. And it is putting him, it places him in France mm-hmm. in the 1950s and 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is, of what I've seen so far, fantastic. I can't wait to talk about it with you. Um, We're going to have some special guests over the course of the season to talk about it with us, and I hope people check it out. And then True Detective Night Country, as I've alluded to, Mm -hmm. is a fucking banger. And uh, uh, we'll come to you guys live—not live. We'll come to you Sunday night. I'll be here. Live. Andy will be here live for the SAG Awards. <laughs> Andy's going to c- come on Sunday night. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll have our breakdown of the first episode and a special interview with Issa Lopez, who created this season of Night Country, directed the episodes, uh, and is was one of my favorite guests we've had in a long time. That's awesome, She's a dynamite dynamite uh, interview subject. So we can do some of that. But let's let's talk a little should, bit about some of the
0: news. Should we just just one last thing? Just one last plea for Monsieur Spade. Mm-hmm. Since I uh, we probably won't be covering it in detail till next Thursday because yes. the Monday show, Sunday night, Monday show will be true um I love Monsieur Spade. Yeah. I love it. It is an absolute joy to watch. And I'm so excited to talk it's about TV it.
1: It's TV writing on like a really high level. Uh it's it's beautifully acted. And it's it is I, I I think that sometimes, you know, you and I have like kind of settled into our ways and we know mm-hmm. exactly what we like. But this is exactly what we like. It's it's a detective at a farmers market
0: <laughs> in France. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, I used to when I, when I would when I would uh, go to my therapist's office in New York and talk to him. He's an older man, and no matter what time of year, no matter what year, he would always have like an eight hundred page book about Congress. <laughs> you know, like just like, <laughs> it, and I'm not just talking about like the Robert Caro books. I'm just like whatever the hot new congressional book was. Right. He'd just be like getting into it. And I'd be like, I guess. When you reach a certain age, you, you just get in your bag, like yeah. you have your thing. Yeah, and now I'm beginning to understand that. But I would argue that this show is just so beautifully crafted that even if your, even if our bag isn't necessarily yours, you should give it a shot. Just yeah, if, it's if really you're not wonderful.
1: using a mesh or rope bag at the farmers market, yes. maybe maybe you will. You know, after watching Mr. Spade. Okay, so we're very excited about those shows next week, and I think also on Thursday, uh, I'd love to hit the end of the curse. Yeah, so, and
0: Fargo ends next week, right? Fargo, and And so. I am caught up on Fargo, but it felt weird to jump in with an episode to go.
1: I would also say that Fargo, this is an observation, is mm. certainly saving a lot of resolution for the end of mm. for the finale, it seems as though. Uh, and I have had mixed feelings about Fargo this season. Yeah. I think I really loved the way it started and have enjoyed elements of the second half of the season, um, but found that, they're sort of like, basically, it's like they're letting a lot of eggs hatch in the finale. Mm-hmm. It seems like, yeah. I think so that's the right move. Th- thought it would be good for us to talk about it. Then, you know what? For season two of White Lotus, uh, which mm-hmm. was a huge success for HBO, um,
0: can, I, can I ask you one thing about season two of White Lotus? Mm-hmm. Don't look. When did that air? Twenty twenty two. When? Summer. December. Really. I had no idea. I couldn't, I, I, I wasn't no sure what year this the No show recollection, yeah. Know. Okay, go on.
1: Season two became, the, I think because of season one's success and it's, it's sort of, it's, it's kind of became this iconic show, especially of the pandemic. Season two casting, uh, Wish Fulfillment became mm-hmm. a huge thing. And maybe a little less so for season three, just because I think everything has kind of gotten back to... Everything is back on on track for the most part, but people, I, I did not notice as much. Like, make uh, Timothy Chalamet and Dea happen for season three of White Lotus wish casting. That
0: was True Detective season four <laughs> wish was, casting.
1: <laughs> um, but we do have a cast for White Lotus season three, and we have a location.
0: I I, I don't know if I agree with your uh, assumption there. I feel like I feel like people were angling. I think people were excited to see who was going to get brought into the machine.
1: Well, you and I are on different forms of social media now. That's true. You know, you're on Facebook. You're yep. on Meta. You're mostly reading comicbook.net reports about, mm-hmm. you know, Jeremy Renner possibly picking up the bow and arrow again. Mm-hmm. And I'm on, I'm on God's platform. True social. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, the White Lotus Season 3 cast has been announced. It's Carrie Coon, who Amazing. is be- seriously like in the running for HBO MVP of the last 10 years between Leftovers, mm-hmm. Gilded Age, mm-hmm. and now this. Uh, Parker Posey. Seems like a match
0: made. This honestly is what I'm saying, heaven. this is what I'm saying that I wish that, as you know, I do not understand betting or gambling whatsoever. But if there were like fan duel odds on who Mike White is gonna cast in, in White Lotus, yeah, I feel like I would have been so in on Parker Posey and Leslie Bibb. That just feels like <laughs> that's just so obvious yeah. to me. And I'm kicking myself. And by the way, this is a good thing. This is thank you. Thank you for uplifting. Parker Posey into this show.
1: So we got Parker Posey, Leslie Bibb, Jason Isaacs, Michelle Monaghan, and then returning from season one, Natasha mm-hmm. Rothwell. So, um... I need
0: her on this show to wash the taste of Wonka out of my mouth. Is she in Wonka? For some yeah. reason, yes.
1: Oh, who yes. does she play in Wonka?
0: Uh, a, a lady. <laughs> Do you want to get some Wonka takes off your chest? I'm not going to see it. So just, I, I can't. I'm worried that... A free hit. I'm just worried that my daughters will, for the first time today... You know, give in some interest in this podcast and listen, and then they'll know that I've been lying to them <laughs> about Wonka. <laughs> you, oh, do you lie to your kids about your takes on things? It's one thing. I try not to, but they, I see this happening, and I remember this from my childhood too, that sometimes when they love something, and they saw Wonka in the theater with their mom, and then we watched it, they really wanted me to see it because they loved it, and I just screened her. And so I could feel them watching me watch it. Mm. And I didn't want to be like, this is pure (laughs) Isle. Like, it is, to be, you know, my my guy made Paddington. Hugh Grant is great in it. Like, I respect all the people involved. Chalamet really goes for it. Yeah. I, I thought it was awful. Like really, really awful.
1: Okay, but you didn't. You tried to keep that from them since that might be their favorite movie of all time. For all you know,
0: and they want to listen to the songs. Yeah, and you know, again, shout out Neil Hannon, The Divine Comedy. Definitely someone who was in the enemy a lot when we were reading it in the nineties. The songs for Wonka. Yes. Wow, get the bag. Yeah, bag full of treacly candy. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Anyway. I'm happy for Natasha Rothwell. I, I I prefer her performance in The White Lotus. Me, to her me as well. Yeah, so she's incredible Wonka. and secure. I yes.
1: uh, was wondering whether or not, so at the beginning of relationships, I remember the beginning of my relationship with my my now wife. There is a period that I would describe as a cultural honeymoon mm. where you just are so into this person Oh yeah, that you're like, I will not only watch whatever you want to watch, but seem passionate. And and deeply invested and be in and Being open to watching. it. Like maybe
0: I'm wrong. Maybe this person whom I now hold in such high esteem will introduce me to something. Yeah, or I could see things I, through her eyes. I
1: and, and now in retrospect, knowing my 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 lovely wife the way I do, right. I know now that that was an act.
0: And for her or for you? For her. Yeah. Oh, you that, mean that like was, being interested in your things? Yeah.
1: Like when I was, it was like the fourth night I spent over at her apartment, and I was like, "Do you got you want to watch a movie?" And she was like, "Sure. What do you want to watch?" You're and right. I was like, "Have you ever seen Slapshot? <laughs>
0: <laughs> what a what a romantic! Well, there's there's like were cu- there, couples in Slapshot.
1: Set the scene
0: for me with like candles lit and you were staring at each other's eyes. Did you hold it? It for was a beat just and be a like, moment where, my darling? like,
1: I could have said anything. Yes, you know what I mean. And now this is the early 2000s, so you know it was. I don't know what like what would have been my like truly like." Dog shit crime movie, I could have shown her. Right. But I remember we watched like Slapshot, Miller's Crossing, a couple of like either sports or violent movies or both in the case of Slapshot.
0: Cause you guys took like a long holiday together that first, that first.
1: No, 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 no.
0: no. Not away, but like you guys just like left the uh, world for a few days yeah, and watched we movies together. left
1: and the stuff. world behind, <laughs> as Barack and Michelle might say. It's true. And, uh, I, but yeah, like I, I definitely got all my, all my movies in then And then like one day she woke up and she's like, I don't want to watch Goodfellas. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I got the real ha, person. Has, back. She, has
0: she ever seen Heat?
1: I think she has. Yeah. But I, I don't remember it. I definitely know that she thought it was too long. My point being, I was wondering whether or not kids get the same cultural honeymoon. Like at what point oh. will you turn to your child and just be like, I hate this?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, people who listen to this podcast know this. I'm not very good at hiding mm. my feelings. I, I I, generally... You really aren't. have No. <laughs> I have very strong ta- very strong opinions. So I think the older one sees through it because I'm like... She was like, what part did you like? And I was like, so many parts. <laughs> so many parts. I can imagine you
1: turning into Richard Brody as you talk. A billion
0: percent. But I was also like, I was pra- I was like, I liked Willy Wonka's costume a lot. Oh, what a fine coat he wears! You know, I was, it was, it was, it was not my best. Why do you
1: sound like you're in Mary Poppins? Because
0: <laughs> I was trying to distract them with a reference to a movie we all like. Okay, it, it was, it was, it was, it was rough. It was rough. But uh, in fairness, in my defense, there is no cultural honeymoon for things I like true they could that's the thing nobody understands less. what it's like
1: for middle-aged white men yes you know <laughs> thank you
0: <laughs> thank you yeah yeah no not not interested in uh movies or uh music that i like so yeah. so
1: you know do you ever try to put on like a band in the oh, car yeah. and you're just like maybe you guys would like this
0: oh yeah. yeah 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 well partly because i can't wait to hear your take on this on what would you you would do with your ward the 15 year old (laughs) that you're going to bring home and be like digging him to travel baseball time to learn about hardcore on this drive to bakersfield Uh, no i i part of me thinks i don't know how to walk the line right because i am the child of someone who had my father's very strong opinions yeah and he was and, and likes things very much that he likes but was not very generous with him so not to say that i would have become a great fan of the english composer uh Rafe von Williams and he had been like here's his third sonata and why it's moving to me but it is notable that he was never like son this is my music Yeah, you know so I don't want to do so I'm trying to walk the line of being like I want them to develop their own taste but I shouldn't just be silent they shouldn't be like dad didn't like yeah, things. Yeah, dad was this just opaque kind of like unreadable. He was always quiet in the car except for some guy talking about basketball <laughs> games all the time and dad yeah. never watches the games. He just listens to this man talk about them. Yeah. That's
1: weird. And the man kept trying to send one man from another team to another team.
0: Yeah. And referring to the this man, the piece. Yeah. Whoever that man is. <laughs> he kept t- calling himself Picasso. Yeah, it's weird. That's weird for them. Yeah. But, but I don't know what the, the correct line is. Like, do you feel, did you get and I, I think we should open this up to Kaya, too. Like, did you feel like you were handed a, you know, a, a manifesto I was, of, like, here are, the, here are the here's the meaningful culture as a parent? I think
1: I was given the palette and the paints. The canvas was mm. mine.
0: That's beautiful.
1: So there was a lot of culture on in the house. Right. And it was not necessarily mitigated for, like, my tastes. Sure. But because of that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I wound up seeing or reading or or hearing things early in my life that I think were were pretty performative i would imagine
0: like i um, like i am curious yellow no, but i, like, I what, like, to
1: our sam our mr spade conversation mm-hmm. i saw maltese falcon when i was like 12 or something like, That's cool. that was like if you if you like cop shows or if you think miami vice is cool you should watch this oh, and i was oh. like i do think miami vice is cool thank you sir <laughs> yeah. wait so
0: that but i think that's interesting though like in terms of building a taste being like i see that you are interested like for me it could be like i see that you're interested in shows about talking dogs from australia
1: yes have you thought about watching Road Warrior or Colin yeah. from Accounts? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Dog doesn't talk, but you know.
1: Yeah. It's Ka- Kaya, was it? Was there a lot of uh, in the McMullen house?
3: No. Did not Kaya really. call
1: the shots, or did your parents? Were your parents like check out the Beatles? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was a tell, by the way. Um,
3: I think my dad pushed me towards a lot of like Nirvana esque rock. Oh. Um, my dad is a big like serious lithium radio guy. Wow. Um, and then other than that, My
0: dad is our peer, by the way. Just, <laughs> does your dad want to come on the
3: pod? Other than that, like as far as like movies and TV goes, like not really. I was okay. like pushed towards like Scooby Doo and like Cartoon Network. Has but, your dad heard sixty songs that explain the nineties? Um, I don't think my dad doesn't really listen to podcasts. Uh-huh. Um, but his Great. one of his friends did reach out to him and was like, "Hey." I listened to this podcast from the ringer and then my dad was like do you work on this? And I was like I don't and he was like okay
0: Happy New Year <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you next year <laughs> Exactly
1: um, I don't even remember where we are White Lotus uh, Cultural Honeymoons mm-hmm. etc White Lotus Let's just stay there Have you uh, Do you have much of an interest in Thailand? Huge As a as a destination for your own travels or just in terms of it's <laughs> like, a loaded
0: question Yeah <laughs> Be careful <laughs> That's true My bad Um I, I have traveled to Thailand. Have you? I have. Yeah. When? In 2011. I remember writing. I remember writing things for Grantland from my hotel room. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Why didn't you just take a vacation? You're one to talk. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was all still kind of tenuous. I remember like contributing to some like oh yeah staff roundup of things we wanted to see. done. Da- I don't know. Um, yeah, I've been to Bangkok and I've been to the south, like where I think they're shooting the season to Koh Samui. Oh wow. Um, incredibly beautiful. At you. I love books. I, there's a, a couple great novel series. Um, John Burdett's mystery books set in Bangkok are awesome. And Timothy Hallinan has a series crime novels set in in Thailand. Read them all. You never cease to surprise me. I try to cease. Honestly, I want you to know everything. I... But I'm a huge, huge, huge fan. Culturally, I love it. Don't have like
1: this. a huge Thailand bug. Hmm. I'm not. I, I've never been. Like I gotta, I gotta see it. I'd love to see Vietnam, but
0: hmm.
1: uh, I've, you know, I've never been to Asia. So.
0: Well, that's where we're bringing the pod next. Um, Kai, what's our listenership in Asia? What are (laughs) are our growth markets? Yeah,
1: but specifically, like, what's the demo?
0: Do you think it's like... Do do you think the people in the south of Thailand listen to the the end of the podcast, or do they mostly drop off after (laughs) the first... 10,
1: why are you? Minutes. Why are you so obsessed with this?
3: I mean, if you guys want to do a watch-sponsored trip to Thailand, then I think we can pump those numbers up. Yeah, yeah. we
1: can. All right, Casey, get
0: out. Why us. am I worried about that? Because I feel like we just drop, we just scatter gems throughout the podcast. Well,
1: maybe people are saving it for later. You never know. For you know. Sure. Uh,
0: so, that's- so wait. So your your so your take is this is a bad idea. You're out on season. No, three. I
1: was just like I obviously I've been to Hawaii. I love Hawaii, and I uh, I don't think I've been to the that specific part of the Mediterranean, but mm-hmm. I do love it, and that's just this is the first one that I've I've never been to. That's all. I, it's not even a really particularly interesting thing to say. The connections to the first season will be interesting. Natasha Rothwell's character, if people remember, was going to start her own spa mm-hmm. uh, based on seed investment mm-hmm. from Jennifer Coolidge, who then reneged on that, mm-hmm. and we know what happened with that whole thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil season two of uh, White Lotus, but I'm I'm curious to see how he continues to build up the sort of Continuing character mythology of the show, just
0: just phenomenal vibes heading into season three. Love I think it. high Q rating, everyone's happy. It's not going to be bad. It's probably twenty five, I would imagine. I mean, I think they've confirmed that.
1: Okay, yeah. so twenty five for that. Uh, another thing I wanted to mention to you was the Mandalorian movie announcement. Oh yeah. Okay, so this came out a couple of days ago with seriously some of the funniest art I've ever seen. Was like <laughs> attached to. I think it was like on the Star Wars site, and it's just a a, a painting. Of the mm-hmm. Mandalorian uh, flying away with Baby Yoda in his arms from an exploding spaceship, yeah. which is kind of um, kind of how I imagine myself waking up every morning <laughs> that's, that's the... <laughs> when I jump in the car to, to, mm-hmm. to drive down Sunset.
0: Um, is, is is Grogu is that your takes then, like your good ideas that yes, you're cradling? That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I guess I would just mention two things. Mm-hmm. One, mm-hmm. I would imagine that this now takes the place of a season four of Mandalorian. Maybe. Uh, I imagine that whatever story, John Favreau, who's going to be directing this, and Dave Filoni, who I think is going to be writing it with him, wanted to tell, they've decided to do it on the big screen. The thing I am most fascinated about is, we, we spend so much time wondering what actually marks success for a streaming show. Yes. Because it's so hard to understand the numbers. The, yes. Each platform... Each service seems to use different metrics for hey this was successful or got this many hours or this many starts or this many completed episodes or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I, I have no doubt that Mandalorian, the Mandalorian, is probably the most successful Star Wars thing since Force Awakens. But it will be interesting to see it against the box, like just the the hard data of mm-hmm. box office numbers. And mm-hmm. I would argue. Anecdotally, that the Mandalorian has been declining in casual interest mm-hmm. among fans who are not like I'm hardcore into the Felony Verse. I really care about this era of, sh- of of storytelling. So this is interesting, also because uh, I think last year Favreau was talking about sort of mapping out season four as mm-hmm. they finished season three, and you know he said he viewed the Mandalorian as one long story. But he said that they also had this responsibility, and this is a quote, to understand what's happening on other shows, even Skeleton Crew, which is yet to air. That's the Jude Law Show. And they all take place in the same Star Wars period. So there's a lot more things that we have to keep in mind and stuff that we've built up from previous seasons of The Mandalorian as well. What do you, what do you make of this jump to the big screen?
0: I have a question. Mm. What is a movie? Like, yeah. Genuinely, what is a movie? For sure. This, to me, seems so... <laughs> cynical, and lame. Because on paper, this is every corporation's dream. Do you need actors for this movie? Because how many days on set is Pedro Pascal legitimately going to do unless he breaks his armor in the first scene and has to actually be there, which is not the case? Grogu is not, sorry, earmuffs if you care about this, is not an actual living baby Yoda. Yeah, It's a puppet. I still haven't.
1: Um, I still haven't confirmed that my
0: wife understands that. That's who I was thinking of about yeah. earmuffs. But luckily, we know she doesn't listen to this she, podcast. She,
1: she is famous, whatever, for uh, saying that the only two guests that she would ever really care about mm. being on the Bill Simmons podcast mm. would be Timothy Chalamet and Baby Yoda. And she, I said, you you do understand <laughs> that one of those things is in play. The other just can't happen.
0: And she wasn't sure which is which. And which? she
1: was like, "Which one? <laughs> it's <Like, laughs> fair." Yeah.
0: Um. They don't need to reserve any locations or build sets, right? Mm-hmm. Because so what is it? it it's just a ninety-minute episode that they would shoot in Manhattan Beach on the volume anyway. You know, I, I I I I find the whole thing really dispiriting, frankly, because as as you said, like the the show launch, the first season of The Mandalorian is very, very good because of its casual. Because
1: gun smoke, and because yeah. it's
0: just low key, fun week to week television show. Very quickly, it went the way of most branded IP entertainment in this day and age. Which is, oh, now we have to know about the dark saber and bo katan and the history of Mandalore. And by the end, it's like I guess Boba Fett was its own show, sort of. Although Pope it just Boba became Fett, yeah. the Mandalorian midway through. Um, it's so up its own ass, and then, or I guess, up its own sarlacc pit <laughs> that. Now they're going to be like, no, no. Now it's for everyone. No, it's very clearly not. It's just very clearly the next chapter in something that is has, I believe, limited appeal. And I am, I am, I am still. I I don't really have the scar tissue built up about what's going on with Star Wars. Yeah, that I ought to.
1: You mean to take to like have some fun with it? You're like mad about it. I'm I'm a little
0: mad about it. But like that that they've had all these years to be like, what should we do with this with this uh, hallowed property? And they're like, we'll do episode ten and season four. Right, that's our plan.
1: I would just be interested to see them get convert something to the big screen. In general, it's been a while. Um, there's been some, you know, obviously like they they had the the Benioff and Weiss flirtation. There was going to be more Ryan Johnson action. There's a Taika thing, like you know, like they they have not. There was a Feige movie. They like haven't really Rogue Squadron. Yeah, Rogue Squadron. So there's been a lot of stops and starts. It seems like the one person who can turn the engine over over there is Feloni.
0: Well, now he's been given the keys. And he's
1: been given the keys to do that. So um, my hope would be is if they were going to do this on the mm-hmm. big screen, that they would tell a story that wasn't just chapter 11 of 12 in a story of, of this kind of Sorry. scope. And that also that there was, they took advantage of perhaps a larger budget and a a wider, like a bigger canvas. You know, like make it feel more important than like, oh, that was on on Thursday night. You know,
0: I, I just feel like, and I recently rewatched, not to, I was about to say not to be a cliche, but come on, we're in year twelve of this. Like, I, I, I watched A New Hope, Star Wars, Did recently you? with uh, over the break. Yeah, with with my daughters, uh, who were willing to give it a shot again. And first of all, good movie. Yeah, it really holds up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you know what's do you know what's good about it? Harrison Ford? Harrison Ford is yeah, good about it. Yeah. We are now 46 years into them being like, people, I think, want more Muppets. I think that's what people like here is Muppets. And as, that's, a child, that's
1: a as a child, I was intrigued
0: by the Muppets. Yeah, but it's a nice balance. Yeah,
1: but I was very intrigued by the guy in the vest who
0: was funny. Yes, was yeah. that Harrison Ford? Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> When's the last time you watched A New Hope? Uh, pretty recently. You so you know, and I'm sure listeners know this as well, is that like the canonical streaming version of that movie is the one that has the let's draw a weirdly pygmy Jabba the so Hutt? So that's
1: the one that's on Disney Plus. The that's Lu- the one that the everyone's Lucas, watching. The Lucas version,
0: but it's like there's this one scene that makes no sense where Jabba's kind of human size because they were drawing him over an actor <laughs> they cast and shot in the 70s, <laughs> and he's just like, Ooh, da, solo. <laughs> like, well, okay, yo, what's you're up? Fluent in Jabba. It's it's called it's called. Um, well, no, actually, I don't know what it's called. What language it is? Ah, oh, man, I wish I had that. <laughs> I just had that in the bag.
1: Um, last one news thing that I was just kind of noting is just Tokyo Vice is coming back in February. Mm-hmm. And I think if you gave people 100 guesses of shows that came out on HBO over the last two years that would get another season, this would not be in the top half.
0: Yeah, surprising.
1: But... I thought that this first season was excellent. I have Michael Mann on the watch when we did... We talked about the pilot episode, which he directed. That's amazing. Uh, It was still very... Just can't believe that happened. Um, But I thought the whole season was excellent. Um, And it's really cool that they're doing it. And it makes sense because this Jake character, who's the Ansel Elgort plays in the show... There's no reason why he can't go on to another story, which mm-hmm. is essentially what he's, he's doing. A, he's a reporter, yeah. And then the the yakuza and and the cops that he knows are going to be a part of it. And Ken Watanabe is so good in this. So,
0: have you and Ansel Elgord squashed your beef? Do you think I've
1: not, I had no contact with him?
0: Um, that's that's that's
1: notable. Yeah, uh, okay. but our beef is uh, to me it's it's over. There's the, the statue of
0: limitations. That's what I wanted yeah. to hear. Um, can I just let you know that while you were. Um, talking i was on my computer and um You're
1: filling a, a application for the new england patriots head coaching job
0: or yeah i think i, I think i <laughs> could at least get in the door it's one an interview um he speaks Hutties. okay but i was interested that my job of the hut job of the, the so
1: hut not ansel O'Gort, yeah. yeah
0: well he might but i when you start to type what language did j the autofill is jesus
1: uh-huh what language do you speak Hutties. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do just give me a little bit of
0: Jesus doing <laughs> just, Java? Just, just a little New Testament? I'm gonna have to workshop that. But
1: I... <laughs> did you see Scorsese is just like I'm straight up making a Jesus movie because the Pope asked me. Yeah. The, well, he didn't ask him directly. The Pope just was like
0: The Pope put out a what like changed his status on Instagram. A, call, like, for, would he, someone... a
1: call for submissions, essentially. <laughs> he was just like, I think we could use some new content about Christ. Is JC? And Marty's like, I got I got you. I think that's great, and he's gonna like be in it,
0: Marty. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm here for this late, late period <laughs> stuff. Like, I'm into it. Are you? Yeah. Okay. I love the End of Killers.
1: Yeah. Is that was that up for
0: debate? No, I was just thinking about. It. I mean, no spoilers, but Martin Scorsese appears in the film. Yeah, I love that.
1: Have you have you fired that up on Apple TV Plus to, to do a second run through?
0: <laughs> Where do you find the time? Yeah. No. Are you interested in doing that?
1: I think so. I'd like to see it before the Oscars. I, I mean, I've seen it, but I, I would like to do it again.
0: Did you watch um, John Mulaney's speech, uh, like opening monologue as the host of the Governor's I Ball? I did. I, I I I recommend everyone do that. It's very, very funny.
1: Do the Globes just not pay well enough?
0: I think the issue with the Globes was it's tarnished. And so it was like, why would we... What's the point here? Right. I, I don't see the the win, you know? It
1: just seems like all of these barely broadcast alternative awards shows have completely competent hosting situations worked out. But yes. the big ones, it's either we can either go Jimmy Kimmel or it's a fucking... Or Anthony
0: Anderson is doing the Emmys this week.
1: Yeah. Or it's just an absolute chaos factory. You know, and then like all the other ones like SAG and Independent Spirit and Gotham and all these things are just like, hey, you know... Well, and
0: like, Kroll did... did. Get, like a
1: decent comedian yeah. to just do 10 minutes at the top and then mo- keep Cause, moving.
0: Because I just want to come when Millennium Reads the email he got from WME inviting him to put himself on tape for the role of young cop. (laughs) It's very funny, but the best bit is he finally speaks to the thing that I've been wanting someone to talk about, which is why is Rami Malek in Oppenheimer? (laughs) It's really funny. It's great.
1: This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you've had it with your overpriced wireless plan with its insanely high monthly bill and unexpected overages, Should we talk about Echo?
0: Yes. I think we've all I think this is going to be an interesting segment because we took wildly divergent uh paths. Two,
1: two paths diverged in a wood. Yeah. And I took I so I I I don't this this idea mm-hmm. was not to be to be a flippant one. Okay. But the five episodes went up uh the other night in a binge and the full season went up on Disney Plus. Right. And I realistically knew that we probably weren't going to be able to like cover or talk about Echo for five episodes of our podcast, and also we may not have the desire to do so. Mm-hmm. So I thought an interesting experiment might be at play here, where Andy took the first episode.
0: <laughs> this is incredible retconning, yes.
1: And then I texted Andy, and I was like, I'm going to watch the fourth episode.
0: First of all, tone is not communicated in text. <laughs> sometimes, this is going to surprise people, but sometimes we like to we like to keep it light. In the old iMessage, you know, we we, we we say some stuff to each other that's, uh-huh. that's joking. Uh-huh. Like, for example, uh, yesterday we were recording something else, and you woke up to a text from me saying, I may be late. I've had an elective medical procedure oh, yeah. and have been under anesthesia you also, since Saturday. You sent
1: it at 7.02 a.m.
0: Yeah, and I sat on it for 90 minutes before sending. You're welcome. <laughs> and, you know, longtime politicos understand that I was referencing the bizarre situation involving our current secretary of defense but chris was like just wrote back question mark
1: but that's but you're like an aging man like it's totally in the realm of possibility that you could have been under general but, anesthetic but you had <laughs> seen me earlier
0: in the week i i wasn't at my best to be fair on, on monday with jason but i was here i hope lloyd austin is feeling better me too yeah. i root for health yeah, generally sure but anyway so when you texted me I'm going to watch the fourth episode of Echo. I was well, like, so I read classic Chris.
1: I read Jen Cheney's piece on Vulture about how Echo needs to be watched in totality. Or that, like, it's good that mm. it's all up because it, where it winds up and where it goes is is really interesting. So I thought maybe you could handle the beginning okay. of Echo. <sighs> wow. And I will tell you what happens at the end. Or we can just not, well, we don't have to spoil it, uh-huh. but I thought it might be an interesting way to approach this and... Uh, I frankly like. I think that it sounds like. I mean, I, I I read about it. I think I understand. I think I understand how it starts and everything. And I understand the relationships between the characters.
0: Are you sure? Because the show isn't sure that you are. They really want to make sure you know. So
1: this was a um. I I, I don't want to tar- like say it's tart like a tarnished or troubled production mm-hmm. or anything like that. But there was some reporting around Echo that it was originally supposed to be eight episodes. That it was essentially like uh, deemed. Unreleasable. That was a, a Jeff Snyder report um, mm-hmm. uh, by Kevin Feige that he he was like, can't put this out. And that it was almost entirely reshot and then
0: reshot or re-edited? We I, don't really I don't know. know.
1: And then brought down to five-episode release.
0: Um and pivoted from a typical Marvel TV release to something that would be MA.
1: It's also Marvel Spotlight, which is their designation for things that they don't think you need. To watch. A ton of other Marvel context clues to watch. Mm-hmm. So that you could watch the the echo story and not have to have seen. I would recommend if you were very interested and want to be a completist seeing Hawkeye. Uh but I,
0: I want people to understand and differentiate us as hosts. I would never tell you to watch Hawkeye. I still think Hawkeye was fine.
1: Wow. In the grand scheme of all of these shows, I think it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um Hawkeye is to the Marvel shows as solo is to Star Wars movies. That's the
0: way I'll put it. One that you just bizarrely defend. <laughs> is that, that, that's like.
1: So you basically get this is this, this is a very interesting statement about where Marvel is at that they that they have put this up as a binge watch in mid January. Uh-huh. I don't think they have anything else on the schedule now until Deadpool, either on screen or uh, in the big screen or on on TV. And then the only other thing that I think that they have in the hopper for Disney Plus this year is Agatha, but I don't we don't have a release date for Agatha, right? And The title keeps changing. Well, I love all the titles though, so I hope they just
0: never stop. <laughs> they are good.
1: What did you think of what you watched of Echo? And and I I and like I said, I'm not we're we're not trying to be flippant in our approach. It was really more of like an experiment yeah. since this all went up at once.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm, I was joking, but I'm genuinely curious what your experience was because I found the first episode of this to be absolutely confounding. Really, more of like a, what are we doing in the world of entertainment? I, this is not. I, I, and I want to be very clear here: there are so many talented people yeah. involved in this. I think the direction is uniformly very good by Sidney Freeland. The yeah. action scenes are very, very eye-catching. They're well choreographed. They're surprising. Um, they hit hard. They're good. I think the cast. I mean, the other people have commented on this. There are a lot of people who we've grown to love from Reservation Dogs showing up on the show, um, like Zon McLarendon and and Graham Greene and Devry Jacobs, Tantu Cardinal, and Chess Spencer, who was in one of our favorite shows a yeah. few years ago, The English, has a very big role in this. It's fantastic to see him in it. So what I'm what I want to try to articulate is my criticism is of the project, not of the people giving their all to do a good job in it. And again, we said this when we talked about it when they announced the switch, being like, fuck it, we'll just make a hardcore action show. Mm-hmm. That seems smart. That seems like a smart pivot and and a hopefully a sign of more of these kinds of like, let's just be honest about what we have here as opposed to we're just going to try to force something that we've committed to without a lot of consideration down the audience's throat. Um, but that said, I found it so bizarre that the whole, you know, the the bubbling backstory of this was you did not need to know too much to get into the show. The first episode is fifty-eight minutes of cobbled together um either retconning, flashbacking, found footage, previously seen footage from Hawkeye, all explaining the entirety of Maya, aka Echo's life story from when she is a child. Yeah. Up beyond the end of where we leave things in Hawkeye. right? And at no point does it seem like it was a mandate to be like, just make something good people are going to watch. It's this deep, trudging feeling of homework that is bizarre for something that, honestly, just, she kicks ass and she's deaf. We get it. Mm -hmm. Show us. Just go. Go, 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 go. Um, I'm not really... I I just think generally, and this is both as a fan of watching things that have some momentum, but also just after a decade plus of the superhero stuff, like, I'm sure they had a tough childhood. I get it. Most characters on television did.
1: Yeah. Let's go. I think that that's an interesting distinction to be making is whether or not it's a superhero show. Because I think that there's the bones of some really interesting stuff in here. Uh, Especially this character who's kind of... I you know it, it is kind of positioned as an anti-hero at various points you uh-huh. know and and is is kind of on that spectrum of um street level marvel characters like Daredevil and Jessica Jones that had the Netflix shows in the past mm-hmm. uh and exists in this kind of gritty New York City milieu like that go out and and fight crime but like also maybe commit some crimes themselves in the process and taking this character uh who's I, I think very love wonderfully inhabited by Aqua Cox and bringing her back to Oklahoma and having her kind of get in touch with her roots, but also be like kind of fending off her kingpin association mm-hmm. at the same time. Like there's, there's interesting stuff there. I, to me, I couldn't, I couldn't uncouple from knowing that this felt like it was pretty much stapled together. And so your point about the, the, the pilot or the first episode being a collection of footage from other shows and and flashbacks. And, you know, I also have to say that I think after watching a couple of seasons of Daredevil, watching Hawkeye, Mm -hmm. now watching this, I realized that I do not like Vincent D'Onofrio in the role of Kingpin. And uh, I don't really have like a Kingpin in mind that I wish it was. I don't know whether it's maybe just the character is not that interesting to me, but... I have been watching this guy whisper and beat the shit out of people, yeah. pretty passively for the last eight years, and I think I'm just good. There's I, a, th- I, 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 and I I kind of wish this story. I know that that Echo is tied to Kingpin, and that like it's whether or not she's going to embrace her uh, destiny as Queenpin for him is like essentially what the last few episodes are about, and or whether or not she'll repair. Her relationships to her her heritage uh, back in Oklahoma with her grandmother, who's played by Tantu Cardinal, and she's really good. I guess I, I understand that, but like, I really had a hard time like just like watching Vincent D'Onofrio in the show.
0: One of my favorite things is the the reveal that like Wilson Fisk, the underlord kingpin of New York, has a shipping operation in Oklahoma. Right. What are the odds? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I think there's a case to be made maybe this isn't the right venue for it. Maybe this is more of a ringer verse argument. But Vincent D'Onofrio's performance as Wilson Fisk is probably the most texturally accurate performance of anyone in the MCU.
1: In terms of its relationship to the comics? Like he
0: is just doing the comic book in a way that is actually kind of breathtaking, but doesn't work because it is two-dimensional, I think, in the way that a comic book can be. I also just think that these shows, especially recently in the the Marvel TV stuff, they've really struggled with tone, which is an interesting observation I think to make, considering what what made the MCU successful, even when the movies weren't totally successful, was the mastery of tone. I, to watch the first Iron Man again, there's a lot of stuff that's like, really, like it's not, it's not, it, it's when we think of Marvel at its peak, we're thinking of like the the, the Russo brothers run with like Winter Soldier, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's like well-oiled machine and everything fits. The early stuff was not like that. And when we talked to Joanna Robinson about her great book, like clearly it wasn't like that behind the scenes. But they knew the tone and they nailed the tone and the tone won out. And this, like I said this two years ago and I'll say it again, like the the charm of the Hawkeye comic book by Matt Fraction that they sort of adapted was entirely tone. He was like put upon human guy who kept getting the shit beat out of him by dopes and tracksuits. What it became in the show, and what's echoed in echo, this is literally the scene, is when he's just he's signing to Maya like you and I we're the same mm-hmm. like really, that's what we're doing. The Daredevil show worked, I think, because of tone, you know and and this show doesn't seem to get it because it is at once trying to be like, "Hey, we're just doing a pulpy crime show here. It's fine, you know th- there's elements of like a blue-eyed samurai, there's a template for this kind of show, whether I respond to it or not, where I think it can be done well. But the heaviness of this, I mean, I I don't even think you saw that the show begins with an otherworldly, I don't know if it's a flashback or a dream sequence, but something drawn from Choctaw history Mm -hmm. or mythology to try to take it off of the grounded earth level. Yeah. These decisions just burden the show in a way that feels like a bummer. And again, it's five episodes. You get what you get. Maybe it's fun to watch people break necks. Your mileage may vary. You
1: know what the tough thing is is with the way that Marvel has decided to do these series, and especially as they do spin-offs. And I I think Agatha will have like a similar mm-hmm. a similar question to answer, if not like a similar issue in its in its uh actual production, is Sometimes like these characters work as part of a gallery of characters that are surrounding one story, right? Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily like their biography is not. Now, I I, I would definitely be open to like an Echo series, but I think an Echo series that has to also tell Echo's entire story is tough. And then I think it kind of misses the point of like the pleasure of week to week comics And week to week television or episodic television, Mm -hmm. which is a certain economy of storytelling that's just like, here's this person's case of the week, here's this person's obstacle that they have to get across, get past this week, this episode, this issue. And like, there's a pleasure in, in watching a simple thing done well. I find that like the amount of heavy lifting that they have to do to connect this to. A, a show of, with Daredevil, which we we still don't know is actually ever going to see the light of day.
0: I think they're too committed for it not to. I, but
1: fair enough, and they definitely do some work towards the end of the series and towards in the stinger to like set up Daredevil uh, a little bit. But it is uh, it's just a lot of work to to constantly be like you know tending to all these different fires, and I I just wonder whether or not they have now got enough evidence that the series, the episodic series just need to be their own thing and the movies need to be their own thing and trying to land Kang in a future mm-hmm. trilogy of films through two seasons of Loki and an appearance in Ant-Man is just, there's too much at stake financially to if that doesn't work out, mm-hmm. what happens, you know?
0: Look, everything should be born again, not just Daredevil. Like, let's just, let's see the well, next plays out. I wonder this out. That,
1: like, this, the, the, it, I would like for the people who are involved in this show seem like incredibly talented and I would love for them to have had a better shot at success here. I can't help but feel like this is going to be like one of the final lines in the chapter about and then they rebooted the entire thing.
0: Yeah, because there was a thought and we articulated this. We even advocated for it and believed in it that Marvel was just going to become a continent of entertainment. And that within its borders, there would be room for people, different types of stories and different people's stories, you know, and in that world, like if they wanted to make a native hero, there are plenty of people whom they hired in various roles on the show who could give an interesting perspective on that. I'm not saying just like hand it to Sterling, but I mean, like there are a lot of people from. The larger extended Res Dogs universe, and people we don't even know about who are talented enough and creative enough to bring a unique perspective to that story. But this is another example of everything that is brought into Marvel becomes Marvel. Mm-hmm. And what wins out? And so, and who does that ultimately serve? Like, I appreciate the intention of being like, we are going to do a Choctaw language version of the show, and we are going to be respectful of the heritage that we're drawing from, and we're going to be thoughtful about who we hire and how we tell certain stories. And like, that's all. That's just good practices. Yeah. That's good practices for Hollywood. But ultimately, what you end up with is a mediocre Marvel show. Right. You don't end up... I I. I, I would be curious, and I mean this sincerely, if people walked away from watching Echo being like, ah, I have a different appreciation for Native culture or whatever aspect of it yeah. that, that sought to be highlighted. Or are they like, yeah, it was kind of cool. Right. And I don't know who wins when it's kind of cool.
1: We can wrap it up there. I think that also the binge release Uh, option here of putting this up all at once. You know, I'll be curious to see like the completion rate. We're not going to see that but like to see whether or not it remains in the conversation say in 10 days. Do
0: you think it's similar to the completion rate of the watch?
1: Only in Thailand. We're putting Mm. up that those Echo is putting up Thai watch completion rate numbers. I
0: don't want to put pressure on our love an american fan base but i understand that our fans in thailand listen to the show at like slower speeds to savor it more <laughs> like 0. 0.8 0.
1: 0.7 i just started listening to stuff on
0: 1.2 you did not yeah,
1: i just i just kicked it up a little little bit
0: so just like wh- how do people sound i don't know if Super i like weird. it
1: i was listening to Rosola this morning talking about nick saban and it just sounded like he was much more nervous about nick saban than yes. i think he actually is still has a great radio voice. Yeah, I, I love it. But I'm trying to get through a lot of titles in a day, you know? You just got to drive more.
0: You just got to take bigger trips. <laughs> now, of course, for me, with an electric vehicle, that's fine. That's, that's carbon neutral. So for I, you, I guess you're just being thoughtful.
1: Drill, baby, drill. <laughs> that's, uh, okay, let's wrap it up there. Interesting show for us today. Did you think? I think so. I think we covered a lot of topics.
0: I'm interested in our, our burgeoning like parenting corner. I think that's good for me. For my imaginary teenage son? Yeah, it's almost, we could call it parenting corner. And I feel like that would be a, a unique bit on a podcast from the ring. We'll
1: be back on Sunday night after True Detective is completed on HBO and on on streaming. Uh, and we'll air our True Detective season mm-hmm. four, or True Detective Night Country recap. Yeah. And our interview with Issa Lopez.
0: If we didn't say at the beginning, because again, I like to spread out stuff for the end. I'm I'm very excited about this season. I really enjoyed the first episode. I can't wait to talk to you about it. And I'm excited about that and Monsieur Spade on Sunday nights because I love I love you good love TV. detectives. That's I, all you, you. just I do love. love detectives.
1: Yeah, Detective Heal
0: Thyself. They're my books about Congress.
1: Kaya, thank you for producing us. We'll be back on Sunday night.